everyone. I'm Janine Stanley, and I'm welcoming all of you to our final expedition in this initial expedition series with Ira. This is Expedition 106, Ira in Higher Education. And tonight with me is our school bus driver tonight, Mr. Ryan Bishop. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Yay, school bus driver. Hey, everybody. Hope you're doing well. I'm happy to sit here and talk about Ira in education, and hopefully... Um, show people that we definitely can work with schools and college students. So. Absolutely. And no throwing spitballs at the back of Ryan's head. Okay. Honestly, please, please don't. Please. <laughs> please don't. I, I would um, appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also from Ira tonight, we have Mr. Paul Schrader with us. Hello, Paul. Hey there. I'm acting as bus monitor this evening. So uh -oh. yeah, there'll be no misbehavior. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He will, will watch unless... you throw spitballs in my head. Well, right. Unless, of course, I'm the one causing the misbehavior, yeah. but that's a whole other <laughs> Which probably happens a lot. Uh, and it does tend to be a problem. <laughs> and this time around, we also have with us from Agent Land, Emma Vincent. Hello, Emma. Hello. We have two special guests with us tonight, along with our amazing tour guides. And I'll introduce our tour guides first, then we'll get to our special guests. Um, our tour guides tonight are Tiffany Manash. Hello, everybody. Yay. And Hope Palos. Hello. And our special guests tonight to talk about technology in higher education and IRA in higher education. We have from the Perkins School for the Blind, Kate Cadillac. Hello, Kate. Hey, good evening, everyone. And a gentleman who is working on his doctoral dissertation, Mr. Leonard Moore. Hello, Leonard. Hey, everybody. Awesome. So we're going to talk about IRA tonight in higher education. And two of the things that are very deep passions at IRA are employment of people with disabilities and also um, ed higher education, education of all types, but especially higher education. And so, Paul, let's talk a little bit about the history of IRA in education. What has IRA done excuse me, over the years um, to further not just our use in higher education, but accessibility in higher education. Yeah, thanks, Jane. A couple things. Um, from very early on in IRA, we were fortunate to have uh, some support through AT&T to offer scholarships to students to use IRA. Um, and we've, we've tried a couple of different variations of how to do that and how to get into people's hands. And one of the, uh, one of the better, uh, I think, outcomes that we did was to support the scholarship winners from various organizations, NFB, ACB, AFB, uh, possibly a couple others, uh, who we, along with the scholarships they received from those organizations, we were able to grant uh, a year of two semesters use of IRA at their college. And that was an exciting uh, uh, program. Uh, we, we ran it for, uh, I want to say, three sessions, at least two, possibly three cycles. Um, we, learned, we learned a lot about how people were using uh, IRA in education. And we, if, if people have had a chance, I think there are some great videos in the YouTube channel about how people have used IRA in education. We also reached out to campuses to talk with the disability student services folks and others about how IRA could be used on campus. And that journey's been a little slower, but 
we've had some great, uh, great outcomes, uh, campuses that have joined the, the IRA network and were able to provide IRA to faculty, to staff, to students on the campus and in uh, campus-related locations. One of our recent, of course, uh, campuses that Janine and I are both fond of for various reasons, <laughs> the Ohio State University. The Ohio State uh, University, yeah. You won't be able to use IRA at football in the shoe this year, but... No, um, sadly, sadly, no watching <laughs> the band with IRA no, here, but... No, but you can use IRA in a whole bunch of uh, related areas to, to OSU. There's, there's quite a number of different campus locations. And then last, the sort of the... the and part of the reason that Kate is here tonight is the first organization that really uh, showed us how IRA could work in the education area was Perkins School in Watertown, Mass. And there have been uh, some different activities there. Uh, and as Perkins has, has added programming, including uh, programming associated with college preparation, uh, IRA has been a, a very useful tool that Kate will, will talk about. We, as part of that, we have also looked at and provided some support for uh, education K-12, but not a lot. But one of the things we did do this, this, this recently in the spring with the pandemic uh, for parents in particular, uh, blind parents who were trying to support their students, uh, we did provide some, some access to IRA as a way to try to bridge that gap. So all of these are different ways in which IRA has been engaged in the education world. We want to do a lot more. I really think that higher education for sure is such a great use case for IRA, and especially as we'll talk about some tonight with uh, changes wrought by COVID for campuses that are opening. There's going to be a lot of need for social distancing, checking on uh, perhaps you want to be aware of whether people are wearing masks in your environment if you're there as a student, uh, changes to building structure uh, in terms of entrances and exits so that they manage crowd flow differently. And if the campus doesn't open, then there's the whole challenge of remote and distance ed, which you know is getting better from an accessibility standpoint, but there are still holes and gaps uh, that I'm sure some of our uh, tour guides we'll probably talk about tonight. Absolutely. And another thing that we did um, initially for the months of April and May was to provide some time for college students with IRA. And we would love to be able to provide that again to folks. Um, we, we are looking, though, out there. So if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the Zoom call, if you're listening to the podcast, we're looking for a sponsor for this program. And what it will do is for people who do not have IRA on their campus yet, it will afford them a little bit of time with IRA. And it's, so we're definitely hoping for that. And you can contact us, uh, ira.io slash access to look at all of our access needs. I also want to welcome the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where my sister is an adjunct <laughs> professor. <laughs> that's where oh I my. went to college. Oh my gosh. No wow. way. Another Milwaukee. My goodness, that city is, I that's, know. we're going to rename yeah. it IRA. Uh, uh, I, got my degree, I got my degree in social work from Milwaukee University. All right. Or, University of Milwaukee, I should say. Yes. That is super. Um, yeah, that, that is, it is great to have campuses join. And I think everybody knows this, but for anybody who might be listening and, and isn't aware, um, IRA Access is a way in which we can 
we call it geofence. Essentially, we use the cell towers. We create a, a, a cell map, and inside that map, anywhere associated with the campus, if you want it to be that way, uh, somebody can use IRA. And all the university needs to do is to contract with IRA. We turn it on, usually in a matter of minutes, but certainly in a week. Uh, we can get the campus and its associated facilities up and running. We can also do other kinds of structures if that's what uh, campus wants. Um, but there's a lot of ways in which we can make an IRA an easy service to add to a university's uh, services for students. And as I always point out to student services folks, you know, you may have a great disability services office. You may provide all kinds of tons of great support, and that's super. But there's a lot of non-supported activities, and again, I'm sure uh, folks will talk about this tonight, that are not supported by disability services. We mentioned football in the shoe. If you want to be watching that band, there's nobody to provide you that service. And and IRA agents are well-trained to give you that kind of description and add to the fun of going to a, a college football if, if we and, have college football again. Yeah, yeah, and that service is not just available for uh, the students. That's actually also available if your campus is an access location. It's also available for parents or family members who come to watch the student at various activities. So, you know, if you're a parent and you have got either a blind student or a sighted student at a university where there is IRA, you can absolutely take advantage of that. And probably, Paul, before, you know, we 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 cannot let this uh, commercial part of the IRA podcast go <clears throat> without mentioning our latest university to the IRA family, and that is the winner of our Celebrating Access uh, contest that had to do with the 30th anniversary of the ADA, and that is the University of Auckland in New Zealand. So it's not just the U.S., folks. This is anywhere that we have IRA service. Your university can be part of our higher education network. So That is an excellent point, and I so look forward to... uh, hearing and getting some videos of students at, at Auckland uh, with with some good, cool examples of things they're doing there. And I do invite um, Canadian, U.S., U.K., Australian uh, listeners to t- talk with us, talk with your schools, and, and certainly see if we can get IRA set up on your campus, if that's something that would help you. Or, as we always say, because of COVID, or help you with some of the remote access challenges if that's where uh, your learning is now based. And we will tell you a little bit about our access partners in that sphere toward the end of the broadcast. Right now, though, I'd like to talk to Kate Cadillac. And Kate, you are the Deputy Director, hopefully I will get your title correct, of the College Experience Program at Perkins School, right? Can you tell us a little bit about, well, tell us about yourself first, and then let's find out what this program is. Sure. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I am the Associate Director of the College Success Program. I am a Compass coach, and I'll talk a little bit about what that means. And I'm a certified teacher of students with visual impairments. Other than my work life, I also happen to be an IRA explorer, although I do often use IRA when I'm at work. I am a guide dog user. I just got my third guide dog in January. His name is Doc. Yeah, he's a two-year-old yellow lab, and he is pretty fantastic. He's not digging the social distancing thing like me. Yeah, I can't even imagine having a dog right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's 
It's pretty crazy. We actually had to go through some retraining, but Guiding Eyes was amazing and did some really fantastic work with us. So he's working out great. I also have a, a love a cat, a black cat who's three years old, and <laughs> I'm a runner and I do triathlons, although I haven't in a couple of years. Um, so I kind of feel like a fraud when I say that right now because I'm more out of shape than I would like to admit. But um, when, in my better days, I, I like to get into those um, competitive sports. And um, I also love karaoke. I love to read and I love to watch some Netflix. Oh, all right. All yeah. Right. So you asked about the College Success Program and how we have used IRA to support our students in preparing for college. So shall I talk a little bit about what College Success is? And Absolutely. Let's tell people about the program. And also we have uh, another one of your uh, co-workers here, Hope Paulos, who, who was also involved in that program, right? Yeah. Hope, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your role Sure. Well, no, actually, why don't you talk about college success first? And then I'll, because I was more of a student teacher. Um, yeah. So I lived in the dorm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you certainly got to know our students well, though. So, um, and we appreciated having you. So college success is sort of an umbrella term that we use to describe the many initiatives that Perkins has taken on to help prepare students for transition after high school. In particular, we're working with students who aim to go to college. And several years ago, we came across a statistic that suggested that the majority of students who are blind and visually impaired never reach college graduation. And we wanted to do something about that. So we did a lot of research and discussions with students who are blind and visually impaired and people who had graduated from college. And we wanted to learn about what the barriers were. With that information, we then developed College Success, which began as a residential program for high school graduates who were blind and visually impaired as sort of a gap year. But it has now evolved, particularly in the age of COVID. We've responded to the demands of the market, but also we responded to the great deal of learning that happened as a result of the first couple of years of our residential program. And that learning helped us to form what we're calling the Compass program or Compass, a college success program. We learned that we needed to work with younger students so that we could begin to help them develop their path towards college success earlier. So now Compass, the college success program, works with high school students who are blind and visually impaired. We also learned that we would greatly benefit from working with more than just the student. So we take a team approach. We work with the student, of course, who is always at the center of what we're doing, but also a member of their family, as well as a member of their educational team. And we call those three constituents the learning triad. So as part of Compass, three representatives are part of a team that centers on the students, and it's a virtual program that lasts nine months. Again, working with high school students, we identify a plan to support them in getting ready for their goal of college. And it begins with a tool we've designed called the College Readiness Checklist. So we collect information to determine what the student's strengths and challenges are. And then we come up with an action plan that is developed in the fall and implemented in the spring. Again, it's an outline of the steps that will support the student and the team in getting them ready for the rest of their high school career and into college. So there's some 
exciting things going on at Perkins right now. And we are just over the moon about launching this Compass College Success Program starting this September. Wow. Now, what role does um, assistive technology play in all of this um, structure for these students? It's huge. Technology is one of the eight domains that's covered in the college readiness checklist. And it is just enormous in helping students to prepare for, for college. We know that Braille is really important for those students who, for whom it's appropriate, but we also know that technology is the center of learning these days. It's everywhere and it's everything that we do. Whether a student is taking an online class or whether they're in person, they still need to be able to access notes to write their papers, to even engage socially with their peers and contact their professors with technology. So we, again, using the college readiness checklist, we evaluate students' technology skills at the beginning of the program. We recommend that each student by 10th grade completes a very extensive or comprehensive technology evaluation and then has, gets access to the technology, the equipment that's gonna help them in college well before they graduate from high school so they have time to get trained and learn how they can best utilize their technology and get the practice using it while they're still in high school so that when they they get to that college experience it's not so intimidating using you know a new laptop or a note-taking device huh. now hope um you, if you could tell us a little bit about what your student teaching was like in this program, and I don't know if you were using Ira at that point. I believe you, you probably <laughs> Oh, <were>. yes, <laughs> I was. Um, yeah, so basically I did some work with some of the college success students, mostly in the evenings, because I um, student taught with one of the secondary, edu uh, secondary school uh, technology teachers um, in the daytime. So in the evening, it was sort of like, okay, what do I do? I, I'm, I'm here, um, and I, I don't want to waste any time. I want to get all the hours I can in. And so, so I uh, worked, you know, worked with the college success students on technology, on anything that they needed. Um, mostly it was technology. <laughs> um, and yes, I used Ira a lot. Um, I, not only did I use Ira to get around campus, um, because... At the time, uh, my guide dog was sick, and he was not. Uh, he was at home here in Maine, um, living with my dad and trying to recuperate. Um, so I had to use the cane, and so I, I used Ira many a time, going from the cottage where I, so the dorm where I stayed, uh, to one of the other buildings, the the main uh, class, the Howe building, the the main building um, where the secondary class was being held and then I would use Ira to get over to the library to to see a friend of mine mm -hmm. um so yeah Ira was was crucial <laughs> um didn't really use it with the students um although I could have um but um didn't didn't really see a need to use that although one one time I I did use it um when I was directing a student um around the table not necessarily the college success student, but a secondary student, uh, school student. Now, Kate, what types of activities are you working or going to be working with the students on um, using Ira? Because uh, I'll throw you a hardball here. Um, we have heard over the years from different folks in 
different aspects of blindness rehabilitation or blindness uh, skills teaching, things like that, that, you know, they're a little reluctant to introduce IRA to, say, a student, uh, especially a younger student, because they don't want them to become dependent on that sighted person. So how would you address that? Well, I'm laughing to myself right now. And <laughs> I know we all are, but <laughs> I Paul might be laughing a little bit right now too, because Paul, I don't know if you remember, but when you first visited campus and we're talking to a group of us about Ira, I was one of the biggest critics, especially thinking about introducing this new technology to students who were transitioning out of high school and going on to college because two things. Number one, I thought we need to train students develop, to develop their skills instead of relying on somebody else. And two, because I was worried that we were overemphasizing the value of vision instead of emphasizing that there are non-visual skills that can help people get by in any situation. Now, I will tell you that what completely brought me to the other side, unfortunately, was my own use of IRA. I wish that years ago, um, when I first heard of IRA and was introduced to the concept of college students utilizing the tool and high school students getting ready for college with the support of IRA being one of the many tools in their toolbox, I wish that in hearing that I had been open-minded enough to consider all the possibilities. But I'll admit to you, it was actually through my own use of IRA that I began to recognize the incredible value that this tool has for those high school students and those college students who are maybe still developing their own skills or who have really solid skills, foundational skills, but could sometimes still just benefit from having uh, someone with typical vision to call upon in those moments of needing a quick adaptation or quick direction somewhere or just uh, somebody who can offer them um, whatever information it is that they need. I always compare, you know, people don't think twice for someone who is deaf, whether or not they might need a sign language interpreter. Well, for someone who is blind or visually impaired, I don't think we should think twice about offering the possibility of having a visual interpreter. And to me, it's no different. It's, it's having the option available. And for us educators, we have to know how to prepare students to use the tools when it's appropriate and how it's appropriate for them. And um, I encourage people who are a little bit hesitant and who have those same worries that I did too, um, to, to try it out and um, talk with students about the ways that it's working for them and maybe even have them um, do some journaling about what's working and what, you know, what maybe isn't working so well. Um, and just by getting that feedback from them, I think that people will start to become, will be rest assured that it's actually a super incredible tool. And um, also just talking with current college students and others who are using IRA and finding out ways that it's really benefiting them. You know, Kate, I, I did leave that meeting thinking, gosh, she is like so mean. Um, <laughs> You're not wrong, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I did not no, notice going into this meeting, actually. actually so. 
Actually, I oh, thought that was a great discussion, and we we've had that in other places, and yes. I I loved that discussion. I, I I enjoyed it when we were there in Perkins, and I've enjoyed it with other folks who, I mean, it's a good discussion. It's it's always worth challenging our tools and uh, assumptions and all that stuff. So that was good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just so you know, I know it's been a while since we've talked. As you can probably hear, I'm a com- complete convert now. Um, I rave about Ira to anyone who will listen. And um, actually having Emma on the line, I kind of feel like starstruck a little bit because I've <laughs> heard her, you know, help in so many different things, like the Super Bowl and things. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Emma from Ira. <laughs> <laughs> See, we keep telling her she's a rock star. She doesn't believe it, but oh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's great. Well, with that, I would like to introduce a gentleman who is working through the academics of issues like this with technology and students with disabilities in higher education, and that is Mr. Leonard Moore. And hello, good evening, Leonard. Hey, how are you guys doing? Great. And Leonard, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, this degree that you are working through and what kind of brought you to this field. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm trying to figure out where to start. Uh, so, well, let me start where I'm currently. So, currently, I am uh, the Senior Vocational Rehabilitation Counselor at, in the uh, Oakland office at the Department of Rehabilitation. Um, many of you may know about DOR. Uh, they call it uh, Vocational Rehabilitation in some states. Um, but basically, we help individuals with disabilities, primarily in the areas of education um, and employment. Um, uh, and independent living, of course. Um, so I'm, uh, I've been doing this work um, in vocational rehabilitation for just a little over a decade. Um, if interesting, what brought me here was because um, following my undergraduate experience um, as a student teacher, um, I, I wanted to be an educator um, many, many uh, years ago. Um, but I did not have, although I was low vision, I did not have a very high um, understanding of the technology that was available to me um, beyond, you know, just magnifiers and and things that were out like that um, at that time. So um, once I graduated and began to seek employment, um, I I struggled a lot um, tremendously, and I went through very long periods of unemployment um, or underemployment just because I didn't know how to really advocate for myself. I didn't know what was available to me, um, and, and employers uh, definitely didn't know. So um, we, we think it was just kind of at a standstill for me uh, career-wise. Um, and so I, I had the bright idea because I still wanted to work in education, still wanted to work with um, with youth. Um, I wanted to become a counselor. So I, I thought that some of the challenges that I had visually that were ended up being concerns of some employers, um, I thought that those would be kind of overcome if I had became a counselor. So I wouldn't have to deal with um, managing the classroom, um, things of that nature. Um, and so I did some research, looked into returning to graduate school, and I, I've learned about uh, rehabilitation counseling and vocational uh, rehabilitation counseling. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Because I didn't even know this, uh, this existed as an area. So um, I've kind of had a, a fork road, um, a fork in the road between uh, guidance and rehabilitation. I chose rehabilitation and I haven't looked back since. I've been doing it um, ever since. Um, and what brought me to my, my current uh, role or, or my current um, where I am academically and educationally, I was, after doing it for a little while, I began to see a lot of the issues that was, were taking place, um, whether it was in K-12, um, 
or in higher education, mainly during my time as a transition counselor in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I work primarily with high school students. Um, you guys touched on a lot of it where you see that um, the retention is just not there. Um, and, and even coming out of uh, college, if they get the opportunity to graduate, um, they have similar problems that I had and just um, not being able to find work that you're completely and totally qualified for, um, you know, just because of either your lack of understanding or employer's lack of understanding. And so I, I begin to see a bit of like a communications gap, I guess, because you have all this legislative uh, mandates uh, like the ADA or, or Section 504, um, which requires educators and employers um, to be understanding and accommodating, but some of that is um, kind of limited to what their knowledge is and what their level of awareness is. Um, and even in the case with students coming out of K-12 who um, are usually in highly supportive environments, you know, they have IEP meetings quarterly, um, things of that nature. Once they get to the college level and required to do a lot of those things on their own, there's really not a lot of social incentive because they essentially have to identify themselves as a person with a disability, which, you know, an 18 or 19 year old mind, such as mine, probably didn't see much benefit in that. So you, and so you struggle. And so you, you, you know, it, which could lead to um, poor academic performance, you know, low retention rates. And uh, just what we see in the research, uh, someone mentioned a little bit earlier, um, you know, the numbers, all the numbers suggest that, you know, young adults with disabilities are, um, are not achieving at the same rate academically as their non-disabled counterparts. And so I'm like, well, if all of this, my questions were, um, which led to my, my dissertation and the research that I'm doing right now, is that if all of this, all of these mandates exist, how is this, is this happening? Um, and, and, and I just kind of use my own experience because I've been involved in a lot of different institutions over the past uh, 20 years just as an undergraduate, as a graduate student, and as now as a doctoral student, is, is that either I didn't always have the confidence or the confidence or the skills to advocate for myself. And even as I learned more and got older and then began to advocate for myself, I found that a lot of the institutions um, and personnel, they lacked um, the, a level of knowledge as well. So there was a, a, there's a gap that still exists. It was for me and there, there still exists for many students. And so it's what I'm doing right now with my research um, in adult education and workforce development is to try to find ways to bridge that gap. Wow. And I, I think, unfortunately, we do see this still. And that's why these two areas of both employment and education are so, so important to Ira. Um, so, Leonard, I'm going to ask you kind of the same question that I asked Kate and hope about using technology and using things that mm -hmm. may look like you're relying on one hand on, you know, a sighted person. Um, how, how do you think that affects people's perceptions or, or, you know, about using technology, number one, and also, you know, about learning technology? Because, you know, you've said that you have struggled with having the right resources. So have, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was I was kind of I, I was saying my, in my younger days I guess I operated on an extreme because I'm, I'm I have low vision so I'm partially sighted mm -hmm. and so um, and my vision has changed over the years so I was big on like not wanting any help right mm -hmm. so so for me 
I tried to like just do it all on my own as much as I could. And even in my own mind, it's like, okay, the only thing I really can't do is drive. Right. You know? So as far as everything else it might take me a little while or, you know, I mean, but I was always just kind of push, push, push. And so for me, the idea of using technology, first I had to come to terms with the fact that I, I even needed it. Right. That was mm-hmm. a whole, and, and by, by the time that happened, I was, I was married and, you know, out of work for, you know, maybe four or five years, you know what I mean? So it just took a while for it to, the light to even go off in my head to, for me to even ask for help. And when I did ask for help, it's almost like, and it, particularly through my graduate program, it's almost, because it was almost therapeutic for me because studying rehabilitation helped me to, to reframe my, my identity, I guess, you know, and just try to understand where I stood in terms of like historically, and and um and legally and just all these things I didn't know before. So I learned not only did I learn like how to help other people, I also learned how to help myself. So for me, learning to accept help um, through any kind of technology. Um, it's, you know, I've been I've had a number of technology evaluations. I'm I'm, I'm a cane user now. I wasn't at first, but I, but I am now. Due to changes in my vision, um, uh, Ira definitely when I when I met Paul and learned about Ira back at the ACB conference. It was definitely like revolutionary for me at that time. But all of that has been a bit of a healing process for me because I um, had been one of those people who had kind of, I uh, kind of identified myself with the quote unquote normal world. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of denying a big part of my identity for, for many, many years. So for me to finally let my guard down and to accept any type of assistance, whether from another person, it was a great, took, it was a great deal of healing for me. So um, I don't, maybe other people may feel differently, but I know just for me and my story, accepting help from others has been, has been kind of uh, critical and paramount. I think you just um, voiced a lot of my story in my, you know, late teens as I went out into the world, I had been programmed, you know, to, okay, you are, you know, yeah, you've got some vision problems, but you are, you know, a regular person and you don't need any of these things. And when I discovered how to use a cane and then, you know, of course, computers, talking computers came along and Mm -hmm. I'm that old. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was such a, a really a liberating experience and it felt so nice to just go out there and do the things I needed to do, and it was okay to either ask for help, it was okay to use technology to do whatever I had to do to get, you know, where I wanted to be. So, yeah, that's, um, your story really resonates, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I received, like, my cane training, like, just, just within the last year. <laughs> so, I mean, I can just, I, if you would have told me two years ago I'd been using a cane, I probably would not have believed it. <laughs> but just using one now, I can see how much I guess at risk I was put. It was really a safety issue for me, mm-hmm. you know. So you can be confident. I mean, you can think you're confident and, you know, risk getting hit by a car, you know, or you yeah. can actually get the training and assistance that you need and, 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 you know, save yourself a lot of bumps and bruises. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And please feel free to, to chime in here as we go forward in our conversation. Um, I'd like to ask Tiffany now, because you actually work at a university. So let's talk a little bit about your experience, both in college as a student and now as an employee at a university um, using IRA in an academic setting. So thanks, Janine. Um, so I 
you know, as I, I totally can relate to Leonard, uh, my story is kind of similar, low vision, um, can use stuff. So I really wish that Ira was available <laughs> when I was in college. Oh, can you <laughs> um, imagine? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I would have been, I don't know where I would have been, but it would have been a lot of help throughout those days and years. So anyhow, um, I have been very fortunate at the college that I work at. Um, I am an instructional assistant and I work at American River College in Sacramento, California. And um, when Ira came out, I jumped on the bandwagon. But at first, I was really kind of apprehensive about what I could use it for, when I could use it, uh, those kind of things. And because I had colleagues around me that, you know, could help or students and, and other people around me that really could help. And it's like, oh, I, you know, I have this, but I'm not sure what or when to use it for. Um, and it really wasn't until I started using it in traveling that really opened my eyes um, as an explorer, like, wow, this really is helpful. <laughs> and started using it more and more um, on the campus. And then um, for work, uh, logging into computers, um, reading handouts that were provided to me, assisting students with their classwork, reading either handouts or their textbooks or the computer screen. Um, and I saw other students struggling who were blind or visually impaired. And that's when I really went and started pursuing, okay, how do I get this on our campus? And so I started with our um, ADA compliance officer and the dean at that time of the business and computer science department. And it first started out with, you know, an accommodation for me, and it just spread from there. And um, I actually received a grant to allow other blind students on the college campus to utilize IRA, um, which is just fabulous because it, you know, it allows them to be just as successful uh, in their academic journey, which I thought was fabulous. Um, and it really, I mean, Ira is such a, a game changer. I mean, it's a tool in our toolbox that allows us to be productive, independent, successful in any area that we pursue, um, whether that be, uh, you know, a part of the cooking program at our at the college or um, applied in fine arts or 3D printing, which is how I got this all started, was, was printing with a 3D printer and creating the IRA logo, um, which is what got me the grant for the students to utilize IRA. Um, but then pushing even forward and really talking to key stakeholders and demonstrating how powerful IRA is by showing them, hey, I could get to your office, you know, they handed me a, a piece of paper and I could independently read it quickly right then and there. Um, and just doing tasks that any other person would do just as quickly and successfully and productive as they would. Um, really pushed it to the entire district. And now uh, all four campuses of the Los Rios Community College District has IRA um, available to them, even though we're virtual um, and, and closed, students still, can still utilize it for, um, you know, maybe assisting with 
papers, you know, hey, is the format, you know, proper? Maybe they're not familiar with the screen reader or magnification, whatever they're using. Um, you know, maybe they need some assistance with making sure that they've got the formatting right and they didn't bold something that didn't mean to bold or, you know, italicize something that maybe shouldn't be or, you know, is the outline in the correct format, um, those kind of things. Um, you know, maybe assisting um, with projects, whether it be, you know, preparing PowerPoints, graphs, finding images for those presentations, um, you know, many other ways that Ira can still assist while we're at home and preparing for our classwork. Or even for me, um, there's times where I have to utilize and do a lot of reading. Um, sometimes, uh, I, you know, I'm not seeing something right. My screen reader isn't working. I'll have Ira you know, assist in getting that program up and running again. So there's lots of ways that we can still utilize IRA even virtually at home. I have heard of folks actually using uh, agents to help describe videos. And I'll, I'll ask Emma here in a bit the different kinds of tasks that she's helped students with. But I know even now that we are doing our remote class and remote learning and things like that, um, that there's a lot of uh, describing of videos, describing of uh, pictures and other handouts that are going on as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of that. And a lot of times, you know, you're maybe in a, a speech class or I actually do a lot of online assistance with our online classes and one of them is a PowerPoint class. Oh, and I will have agents describe um, you know, some of the images, the layouts that people have used, color sequences, because I can't see the colors. And lots of times, mm -hmm. you know, Jaws may say blue, but, you know, really what, what shade of blue is that? Is it a, a dark blue or a lighter blue? Um, and then really describe the image that they've inserted, even though, you know, Jaws may read, you know, that's an image with faces or, um, you know, a scene or, or that kind of thing. But I want the, the real detail of it to really understand the context that goes with, with that image and, and the presentation um, while I assist students so they understand how to accomplish these tasks that they're being assigned to do. Uh -huh. Excellent. Now, Hope, let's talk about your experience with students and your own experiences using IRA in higher education. Sure. So, um, I, this is K-12 now, um, but I work as an AT instructor, assistive technology instructor at the Carroll Center. Um, and I use IRA to um, help them um, or I should say, describe what they're doing and what they should be doing <laughs> if they're misbehaving. Um, and I also will use Ira. I'll have them use Ira as well. Um, so, for example, if if the computer's not turning on, I'll have them call Ira on their end and um, have Ira direct them on you know what's going on in the screen, describe what's on the screen, and then I can better assist them with. Um, with you know, getting the computer to talk to them. Um, as far as my experiences in higher ed, I am uh, just finishing up my master's in TBI, teaching the blind and visually impaired. And so um, I have one more paper to do and then I am done. I will have oh, my wow. degree. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, and so um, um, I used my... Uh, um, 
I used my the IRA to to assist me with uh, function vision assessments, functional vision assessments, mm-hmm. um, which is basically um, determining a a child's vision um, and and you know what they need in terms of um, either AT assistive technology or um, whether or not they need braille or large print. Um, so for those three assessments, um, I would use IRA at times. And I also used IRA for um, creating videos for my classes. I remember one time I had to use, I had to create a video um, about teaching a person who is blind how to cut meat. And so I would, I had IRA in my ear and I actually took the video. (laughs) Um, So I had IRA in my ear and um, they were describing how to put the video, like how to put the camera so that it, it would record the video. Um, and then they were describing what the person was doing and how they were cutting the meat so that I could direct them. Excellent uses. And talking about working with kids, I'm assuming you're also working with the parents. So how what are parents' reactions to things like Ira as the kids are introduced to this technology? One person, one, one um, kiddo, his parents was were absolutely amazed mm-hmm. um, because he has a little bit of vision, um, but he wasn't able to see the computer. So he he knew it was a blue screen, and um, he's like, "Oh, the screen's blue." I'm thinking, "Oh, blue screen of death." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so I had him call Ira, and and he he goes, "No, no, no, let me call my dad." I said, "No, no, 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 wait, no, stop, call Ira." And so he actually called Ira and the dad, little did he know, but the dad was standing right behind him. Oh, wow. So the wow. dad was actually watching the, rea- the, the interaction between him and the agent. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and he was amazed. Wow. And this brings up, and I will throw this open here before I switch over to Emma, but I think a lot of people have expressed over time um, some serious anxiety going to college. And I'm wondering if uh, Kate and Leonard, if you guys see this as something that can hold people back and maybe how something like Ira that's not judgmental, that's actually, you know, encouraging and, uh, you know, maybe actually helping to boost somebody's confidence, how that, what role that can play. Either of you want to speak to that one? Kind of a big topic, but I've definitely heard it from uh, students that I interact with here at Ira and uh, interact with just as a matter of uh, social media. I love how you put that Ira is non-judgmental, even though there is a human being, a person on line. It's someone you know there to support, whatever that means, and it's just a very matter way of accessing information. And for a lot of students, anxiety is one of the top emotions that they're experiencing as they think about going to college. And introducing them to this tool as a way of accessing visual information, as a way of giving them knowledge and access that they might not otherwise have had is incredibly comforting. I've literally overheard students, I've worked with students on their technology skills and working on their advocacy skills. And I've heard students completely just exhale a breath of relief Mm -hmm. when they learn what Ira can do for them and how it can support them through the many things that really are quite frightening when you are 
just becoming an adult and going off on your own and knowing that this person can be called from, you know, you could take your phone out of your pocket or your purse or your jacket pocket anytime, anywhere, and you can get help. And that is incredibly empowering and comforting. And I do have a great story about that. We have a special edition of our podcast, IraCast, and you can all find IraCast in your podcast player of choice. But one of the things that we had uh, interviewed two students, and one of the students, Jessica, had mentioned that when Ira came to her campus, she literally found it out that they had become an access location at like three o'clock in the morning when she got up to write a paper because she couldn't sleep. And her phone made that little noise, ding, you're in an access location. And she said, you know, I had to go in the bathroom to not wake up my roommate so that I could call an agent and just say, I just want to rejoice about this. You know, we're an access location now. It's so exciting. So, yeah, anytime, anywhere. Now, Leonard, did you have any thoughts about this? I didn't, didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no, sure. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what was already has already been said. Um, I definitely um, agree. I know for me, when I went to college many, many years ago, <clears throat> um, I was out of state. I didn't know anybody at my my school, and it was a, a very large school. Um, and so on the one hand, that kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone, which is good. But on the flip side, um, there's kind of a fine line between being kind of out of your comfort zone and, and being in a situation that causes you kind of unnecessary um, anxiety. Um, and so to have a person, I think about many of the students that I work with now, um, a lot of them are in community colleges and they transition to four-year colleges and they have a great deal of angst surrounding just, you know, the workload and can they adapt kind of socially and just having a disability um, or being visually impaired kind of on top of that um, can, can just add additional uh, stress and become, become uh, really overwhelming. Um, and they call me, you know, when they, when they can, <laughs> when they can reach me and they can talk to me, but it'd be great if they could have someone at their disposal that was on campus with them to see things kind of through their eyes. Um, uh, figuratively and, and can, like you say, be a, a source of comfort. Um, and just, and just to add as well, um, you know, Ira, I know we, we uh, you guys probably work, want to work, or it's kind of obviously work primarily with people who are visually impaired, but there are probably uh, several other disabilities that could benefit from a service like, um, like Ira. I think of some of my students who have, you know, short-term memory issues or stress or anxiety issues, mental health problems, um, just to have that agent to be there, not not only just to help them to see, but just to kind of orientate them, to kind of, you know, help them to figure things out, help them to organize information, you know. So I just wanted to kind of, having worked, having, being visually impaired and having worked with a lot of other disabilities, I think Ira could be beneficial to many other disabilities as well. And I think you're exactly right. And we don't have any requirements that say, oh, you know, you're uh, only blind people can use this or you have to have some proof of blindness or proof of disability. If Ira can help you, you know, download the app and give us a call. 
because we are happy, happy, happy to help. Um, I know that we have helped some deaf folks, especially now with social distancing and things like that, um, where, you know, if you're going into, say, a business and all of a sudden these people are yelling at you because you didn't either see the sign or hear them say, oh, no, stop, you can't go in that way. And so I know that we're helping some deaf folks right now with that kind of access. And I think um, uh, some folks with short-term memory, with serious anxiety or any of these things, auditory uh, processing, sensory processing disorders, um, things where you are really needing a little bit of support out there. You know, we're happy to do that. And that brings me to Emma from Agent Land. So, Emma, what are some of the things that you guys have helped out with uh, on college campuses? I'm sure you've got like a whole list of things. Yeah, um, I was actually trying to brainstorm some of the things that I love doing because I do really enjoy taking college campus calls. It kind of brings me back. I was only pretty recently <laughs> there myself, and I really enjoy helping um, people get through the, the fun times and the hard times in college that I'm familiar with. So um, some of the ones that are maybe a little bit more obvious would be like we talked about PowerPoints um, and getting around campus. Lots of campuses often are doing construction for some reason. I feel like they're highways or something. <laughs> There's always construction going down. So we're super able to help with getting from point A to point B, especially if there's new uh, obstacles in the way. Another one would be math class. A lot of um, graphs and equations, the screen readers kind of mess them up. So we're here to help out with giving a visual description of what you know something in a textbook looks like, even something on a computer screen if it's not being described properly. Just a quick call to us. We can get that and you can be on your way doing the rest of your homework. Um, another one would be group projects. I hear a lot of people that have group projects that comes to them and they want to add their part of the PowerPoint and they want to make sure mm -hmm. it's cohesive with the rest of the PowerPoint. That's something we can definitely assist with. Um, and then another one I wanted to definitely add was there's lots of fun things in college. There's parties and there's social media and those types of things excuse me, we can definitely assist with going through, you know, looking at flyers around campus to see if there's events, uh, helping post pictures to your Facebook, whatever you want. We're here, take selfies before a date, you know, like there's lots of fun things in college besides homework that we can assist with. And we're here for anything that you might need in addition to um, just visual descriptions. But oh, another one I wanted to add was when some something's on the blackboard in the front of the class and you know, you want to you want to see what it is. Pull out Ira. We'll take a picture, zoom in, and we'll describe it to you while the teacher's talking about it. Something like that. Ooh. So there's lots of different ways um, that we can help out. Awesome. And that, that goes for just, any of the video, anything like that, right? Oh, sorry, what'd you say, Kate? Uh, I just have to add really quickly that um, speaking of the fun side of college, I have seen a student use Ira to help them orient to play beer pong. Oh, Love wow. that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's great. We teach college party games, and um, we don't use actual alcohol or, you know, promote alcohol or anything like that, but we played, it was really root beer pong, and um, mm -hmm. the student, in a very genius way, thought, 
oh, I can just use Ira to figure out where the cup is. And it was amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's oh, amazing. That's yeah. fantastic. Have you ever pledged a sorority or fraternity though, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> I have not, but we could definitely assist with anything that would they would need to do that. I think that would be quite interesting to help out with. Oh, how fun. Um, also, you know, Ira in the college environment can help with some safety things, not just the things involving, you know, pandemic-related um, restrictions and, and changes to the campus, but also, you know, being there with you as you're navigating, say, late at night to let you know about the environment and things like that. So definitely. something definitely to not, uh, not overlook here. And that's for anybody. That's not just, you know, for uh, young women or, you know, young men. That's for any of us who have to be out, uh, out doing no, I, that. In fact, Jean, I think we've had people talk about uh, wanting to have an IRA, IRA agent on because they were they felt a little bit uh, unsafe, they had people around them, and they wanted to make sure that they understood exactly where people were in the environment, where somebody was in particular who they felt worried about. So <laughs> definitely a good use. I was going to chime in and say I played a lot of darts. Because I would have loved to have had IRA to help my game a little bit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I got pretty wicked with the talking dartboard at a couple conventions. So, you know, <laughs> glad they didn't have that back in the day. Well, yes. I was going to say, it probably, probably would have helped me if they did. But no, this, yeah, I had the, the old-fashioned way. And, uh, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. Well, and talking construction, goodness, when isn't the Ohio State University campus under construction? Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't, you know, I've lived in Columbus for 35 years, and oh my gosh, I don't think it's ever been, <laughs> ever been uh, at, at some point totally finished. So I want to close tonight by talking about a couple of our access partners that can help with higher education. And I think Tiffany mentioned it, Hope mentioned it, um, Kate mentioned it, and it certainly comes up for Leonard when it comes to technology. But we do have a wonderful partnership with Vespero. So any, if any of your Vespero products, JAWS, ZoomText, any of those are not working for whatever reason, and your computer is just stuck there and you can't get it out of that issue, we do have a free IRA offer with Vespero that you can speak to your agent about to see what's going on on the screen and have that time covered until you can get yourself up and talking or, or magnifying again. We also have two online learning offers through two different venues. Um, first of all, there's Vista Higher Learning. And then there is D2L Brightspace. And Emma, I don't know if you've ever worked with either of these um, distance learning tools before with students, because there are I a have. lot of distance learning things out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we often get calls about are adding those pesky posts to group discussions on D2L or the other one you mentioned. Um, and those are things that we can assist with really quickly, just a quick team viewer into your computer, or some people have even done it when they're walking from class to class, they'll call us and we'll go on our side and type up their response. They'd like us to submit a little bit of multitasking, you know, as long as they um, <laughs> you know, are aware of their surroundings, of course. But yeah, so there's lots of different things um, that we can assist with with online learning that will make it easier either on your computer via the camera or team viewer or on our computers. Awesome. And those two offers can be accessed in our app. And you would go to the button on the home screen that says access a free offer, and you'll find them in there under uh, products. And you can go in and 
access those offers or ask your agent about uh, any of our free offers that we have to help you with your academic space. And the final little trick that I want to talk about is when you are in that lecture hall or you are in that you know, even an online conference where you need to know about something, you can take advantage of the call Ira with a message feature. And here you can, when you tap on that button, you're going to go into a screen, you'll have a text box in which to tap in your message to the agent and let the agent know, you know, I can't talk right now, but I need you to do this for me, describe this, whatever. And that is a really handy feature that a lot of students used in, you know, the, the, the before time when we were actually in physical classrooms, but they've also are using it now when they are in a Zoom meeting where they can't maybe or a, some type of classroom meeting where they can't mute themselves and they need some access to something. So that is another tool in your toolbox. Well, I am going to, we'll go around the table here and we will start with Hope. Any last thoughts here as we close up tonight? Not really, but the only thing I can say, and, and this has been mentioned quite a bit um, here this this evening is that don't be afraid to use those tools in your toolbox if it's ira i'm, I'm you know f feel free uh, the the five minutes the five minute free calls those are great to get your feet wet if you're if you're apprehensive about using ira in the the call you know in, in college don't hesitate tiffany yeah, so just real quick, um, one thing that you had mentioned, you know, we're now with virtual and Zoom and all that good stuff. Um, I forgot to mention that I recently used it, just as you said, with a message saying, hey, I can't talk right now, but there's a presentation. And, and can you describe what's on the screen? Because someone has screen shared. And uh, so definitely, you know, utilize Ira to your benefit uh, to be productive and successful. And as Hope said, you know, get your feet wet with that five-minute call and uh, go exploring. Fantastic. Leonard, how about you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ira is great. I know for me, I, I was a notorious, I was a notorious grocery shopper. So if, if, if you go back and look at my, um, <laughs> my log, I probably log more hours or minutes in the grocery store than, than anywhere, but it's definitely great. Um, and I think it was, I believe it was Tiffany. I used to live, I used to actually live in Sacramento. Um, and I had a lot of students at American, American River College. I would love to uh, maybe, I guess, after we're done, uh, maybe uh, get some of you guys' contact info because I partner with a lot of community colleges and colleges here in the Bay Area. So just to find out more information, how I can make them more aware about IRA. Um, and also, finally, I only have one more paper before I'm done as well. That paper just happens to be about 300 pages. So <laughs> Only a dissertation. No. Nope. I have something in common. <laughs> we have something in common. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we will absolutely put everyone's uh, contact info out there so that um, you can grab that. And also we can uh, have it available for anybody here who would like to have that. Kate, what about you and, uh, and your students at Perkins? I just want to encourage everyone to sign up because Ira really for me and my students, I believe has been quite life changing. And the more people who are signed up, the more people who are talking about the incredible work and the incredible support that Ira offers, 
the more buy-in we're going to get, the more places are going to become site access locations, the more universities are going to offer it to their students. And just since IRIS first started, it's been really incredible to see how it has spread, how it has become more accessible and um, inclusive for everyone. Um, and I want that movement keep growing. I don't want to see an IRIS site. Uh, I don't want to see a, you know, a, a site access location. I want us to be I, I want the world to be in an different place. Um, That's the so. day that we're hoping for when, you know, you just turn on the app and everywhere. <laughs> awesome. So Paul and Emma, any last thoughts from you guys? Well, I'm just going to echo what Kate said and add that please contact anyone that you think can help you get Ira to your campus or when you were talking about D2L and, and uh, Vista, um, any of the online platforms where you think Ira could be helpful. We have a very good uh, strategy for working with online environments and making those accessible. And we can add that in as, a, as an access point. It doesn't have to just be a physical location. But we would love to get to campuses. I just, I, as I said at the beginning, I think higher ed campuses and remote learning are, are two of the best cases for Ira. And I I'm, I'm a little bit surprised and saddened that we don't have a more robust network, but we're going to get there and we're going to get there with everyone's help here who can tell this story so well, just as everyone tonight has. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much. Uh, and I would like to thank our bus driver who has been just intrepidly tooling us down the road here, Ryan Bishop. Thank you so much, Ryan, for getting us on the air tonight. Thank everybody out there on YouTube and everybody here in the Zoom meeting. This episode will be archived. It will actually be up on YouTube in a playlist here very soon. And it will be part of IRACast. So if you subscribe to IRACast, you will be able to hear it and for your friends. Now, this is the last in our initial set of expeditions, but we'll be starting expeditions again in September. And if you have ideas of things that you would like to hear about, you can send those to us at iracast at ira.io. That's A-I-R-A-C-A-S-T at A-I-R-A dot I-O. I feel like I ought to be singing like Old MacDonald had a farm or something after that. <laughs> but I appreciate everyone coming tonight. Everyone, stay well, stay safe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you won't miss any of the exciting programming we have coming up for you here at IRA. I'm Janine Stanley, and have a good evening. <laughs>